for Christmas this year, even back in the prophets and all the gospels, read from the Galatians. As we began the service this morning, we sang these words, happy birthday, Jesus, Jesus, I love you. That's an incredible thought, if it's true. If it's true. As I begin this message, I ask you to search your heart. Is Jesus just a byline or a byword in your life? Or is he somebody that you love deeply because of what he's done for you? As I thought about today, and I knew that we wanted to be as simple as possible, one verse of Scripture jumped out. Just one verse of Scripture. Luke 2.10. I'm going to let you be seated because I will have read it before you stand up. It's on the screen. It's on your, in your Bible, and it says, But the angel said to them. Now, the them were the shepherds. The angel said to the shepherds, Don't be afraid or fear not. For behold, for look, I proclaim, I bring to you good news of great joy. That will be, do you see those last four words? For all the people. For all the people. Did you get that? Now, in some translations, it's three words. It's to all people. Some says for all people. Most of them say for all the people. So my question is, now this is a response thing. I know it's... I know as New Hopers, we don't like the response thing unless the pastor primes the pump. For all the people, for how many? All. How many? All. And who is that? All. It's everyone. And so this morning, we're going to take for all the people, and I, here's what I'm going to tell you. Christmas is for everyone. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the worship that we've experienced, for the songs that we've heard, and for the words that we have have just literally drunk down into our spirit. I pray for the moments that remain. I pray that we'll have an encounter with you in such a way that it will change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone loves Christmas because Christmas is from God and it is for everyone. From the manger in Bethlehem, the sound of God's mercy, grace, and love rings out and extends out to everyone. I want you to think about it. I just mentioned three things. God's grace, mercy, and love. I always want to make sure that people keep a fresh memory of what those are. God's grace is God giving us. Excuse me. Let me start with mercy. God's mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Whether you like this or even want to hear it on Christmas morning or not, please listen. What we deserve is we deserve eternal punishment, 
and eternal death because of our rebellion against God, because of our sin against God. God's mercy. God's grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. He's given us His only Son. He's given us a way to be saved. He's given us the possibility of an eternity with Him in heaven. And God's love, God's love is the motivation for it all because even when we, I, you, you, even when we didn't deserve it, God loved us. And that's the, what Christmas is all about. God loved the world so much that he gave. And what did he give? I want to say it again. I want it in our minds. He gave us his son in the form of a baby in Bethlehem. He gave that to us. Who is us? It is all people. It is everyone. His gift will be for all the people. All the people means a couple of things. It means what we sung since we're kids. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in his sight. Can I get an amen? amen? It also tells us that God, my God, does not play favorites. If you don't like diversity as God defines diversity, you probably won't like heaven. Because heaven's going to be made up of all people. If you have a problem with people who don't look like you, act like you, walk like you, talk like you, think like you, smell like you, you have a problem with God. Because He made all people. I don't know about you, but I can tell you, for me, I'm excited that I serve a God who welcomes all people who wants all people to be saved, who loves all people, and who sent his son Jesus to die, live and die for all the people. I want you to consider four truths today. I wanted to make this as simple as possible. Let me just give you four truths that as I began to think about that, those four words for all the people that just, um, that just kind of permeated my being. Number one, you've got it in your bulletin. You, you just fill in the blank. First is, God shines his goodness on all people. God shines his goodness on all people. The Bible's clear. God doesn't send the sun, the rain, and his goodness on the righteous. He sends it to all people. Now, if you're one of those writing down and prove it to me, Brother Jerry, you can turn to Matthew 5, verse 45, tells you that. God's goodness doesn't just extend to righteous people or good people. Psalm 145, 9 says, The Lord is good to everyone. Watch this. His compassion rests on all that he has made. All that he has made. That's why you hear me refer to mankind as God's crown creation. We are it. He made everything else and then he made us. I don't know that I subscribe to this. But one husband and, man, husband and wife were talking about why God created the man first. The man said he created perfection. 
She said, no, when God's creating a masterpiece, you always have a rough draft to start with. You see, God created us, and he loves us. He loves the pretty. He loves the ugly. He loves the pretty ugly. He loves the young. He loves the old. He loves the rich. He loves the poor. He loves the good. He loves the bad. He loves us, and he wants us to have the best that he has to offer us. Did you know that? God wants you to have the best. If you don't perceive that, it's kind of like when you have kids. Now, grandkids are better. If you tell my kids I said that, you're dead, all right? Grandkids are better. Grandkids are God's reward for not killing your kids. Now, I'm just teasing everybody who's watching by, by stream. I'm just kidding. But it's like when you have kids. You know what you want for your kids? You want the best for your kids. You want them to have the best. And you know what else? There is little that you... I want to tell you this, young people. You may think your friends love you more than mom and dad does sometimes. That's wrong. When those so-called friends walk out, mom and dad will be walking in, and they want the absolute best for you. And you know what? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Is that you know where we got that trait from? From our Heavenly Father. He wants the best for us. But you know what? Some of you are going to say, theologically, I don't agree with this. Well, you can be wrong if you want to. Don't agree with it. God doesn't always get his way. Oh, you just destroyed my... Well, Peter tells us that God desires that no one would perish. Is anybody going to perish? If you want to say yes, nod your head. You see, here's the reason. is that God made us enough like him that we make our own decisions. And the reason God doesn't get his way all the time... I know parents and children won't understand this, but sometimes we don't listen to our Creator. Sometimes we don't listen to our parent, the one who wants the best for us. You see, God sent Jesus as the essence of his love, goodness, kindness, grace, and mercy. Paul wrote to Titus, Titus chapter 3, he said this. He said, when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, watch this, he saved us. Why did you come to Christ? Some people go, well, I was afraid of hell. But you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us in Romans 1 that it was God's kindness and goodness that was intended to bring us to him. I was always afraid I'd get on his wrong side. I think that's something my dad taught me. But the secret to getting through the difficult times in your life is to focus on this goodness that God shines on everyone. On this day, the birthday of our Savior. Can you see how God, how good God has been to you and how he has shined his goodness on you and how he shines his goodness for all the people, on all the people? Second thing I'd say to you is not just God just shine his goodness on all people. God shows his glory to all people. 
to all people. This is important for you to understand because some people think the only folks who see God's glory are the people who are saved. You see, God shines his goodness and shows his glory on all people because this is the only way his crown creation will ever make the decision to follow him. So, Brother Jerry, does God shine his glory on the people that don't know him? Well, certainly he does. Can you prove it? Well, I can give you illustrations. Go back to the book of Exodus. The Jewish people were in captivity in bondage in Egypt. And if there ever were a group of people that had a strong religious heritage, they should have been the Old Testament church, Old Testament Christians, the church of the Old Testament. It was the Jewish people. But when they came out of Egypt, they were as unbelieving as the lostest pagan you can ever imagine. All they ever wanted to do was go back to Egypt. That one time they were going to kick Moses to the curb and go back. You see, there are many people that go, Brother Jerry, so God shows his glory to people outside the church, outside of faith. What about those folks? People ask me this all the time. Kevin, you probably heard it as a, as a pastor. What about those folks that's never heard about Jesus? What about those folks? Well, I can't tell you all about them, but I can tell you this. Did you realize that this book teaches? Did you realize this book teaches that God has revealed himself on earth in such a way that everyone can know him? Everyone can. Both believers and unbelievers are shown his glory. I mean, I mentioned the exiles. How much glory did they see? Well, they saw the ten plagues, we know. (laughs) They saw the Red Sea part. They saw water brought from a rock a couple of times. They saw the bitter waters at Merah made sweet. They saw one example of God's glory. They looked at the bottom of the mountain, and they saw God's glory encompassing the mountain. And yet they still were unbelievers. You know why they wanted to go back? They wanted to go back because it was familiar and comfortable. Here's what I want to say to everybody at the end of this year and next year we'll have, next week we'll have the state of the church as we get started in 23. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Going backwards, living in the past, Never leads to seeing the glory of God. How about the unbelieving shepherds? How about the unbelieving shepherds? When they saw the glory of God, they didn't go back home to the house. They put aside everything they had and they ran toward Jesus. I could give you illustration after illustration after illustration and I will not do that. I could talk about Moses or Elijah or Peter or John. Psalm Psalm 19 says this, the heavens, are you listening? The heavens declare his glory and proclaim the works in the heavens. Romans 1, 19 and 20 tells us that everybody has the ability to see God 
in creation because the heavens themselves make his glory known. Cosmonaut, 1950s, first one that went up from Russia said, I see God nowhere. The astronaut from America went up and said, I see God everywhere. It's a matter of our perspective. By the way, Romans, when it says that God has given the ability to every person to see his hand in creation, make his glory known, and then he ends that section with this, therefore, there is no excuse. No excuse. Psalm 97 says, The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all people see his glory. The good news, the good news is God shows his glory to all people because Christmas is for everyone. Now those are the two easy ones. Let's kind of dig a little bit. The third one I would extend to you is that God shares his grace with all people. We've already mentioned God's mercy and grace and love. So let's focus on the grace a little bit. The grace that he shares and offers to everyone. First of all, before I get into the saving grace, I want you to think about this. That God offers grace to every person who has ever lived. Grace is, as I said, God giving us what we don't deserve or unmerited favor. Listen, you didn't deserve to be born. You didn't deserve to live. You didn't deserve to have a good family. You don't deserve, I don't either, we don't deserve to have a good life. It's only by God's grace. Now, I'm going to say this to you, Americans. We don't get this. We think that we were blessed enough to live in this wonderful nation, and we have been blessed And we think we somehow deserve what we get. The truth is this common grace gives us the ability to live on earth. It's God's grace to all people, no matter who you are, no matter wherever you're from, no matter whatever you've done. God has given you this common grace in the process of leading you to his glory and his goodness and his redemption. But this grace, this common grace, I want you to hear this before I pass it. That type of grace is not a saving grace. It will not get you into heaven. It will not make you right before the Father. You see, we think we have this grace, so we're in, we're in God's right hand and, and that uh, we're part of God's people. The truth, the truth of the matter is, he gives us this grace out of his love and goodness. The worst thing the McDonald's hamburger food chain has done for this culture is convince us that you deserve a break today. I don't think we deserve a break. I think we deserve to be divinely broken. The Bible tells us about ourselves. 
The Bible tells us what we know about ourselves. And what we know is that we are sinners. We are sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. The Bible tells us that in God's economy, which is the only economy that matters, we deserve death. But in the midst of what we deserve comes that life-changing phrase. Comes that those powerful two words, here they are, but God. You deserved death, but God. You deserved an eternity in hell, but God. You deserved nothing good, but God. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God extended this saving grace to us to change our lives. It's his redeeming grace. Not a common grace, a redeeming grace, a restorative grace. It restores you. A reclaiming grace, it reclaims you. There may be somebody who has come into this room today. And you came because you came with family. You have no real faith in God. You have no real relationship with Christ Jesus. Maybe you have no understanding of all these things that I've been talking to you about. Here's what you need to take away today. God sent Jesus so that you could be restored, reclaimed, and brought into a right relationship with God the Father. There is no other way. People say, well, that's so narrow. I have a video. It's very grainy. That's why I didn't throw it up today. Of Oprah Winfrey, Miss United States, saying there's just got to be another way. Jesus can't be the only way. He's one way, but he's not the only way. And there are people that are swallowing that. People will say, that is not fair. One way? And I want to tell you, I've told this congregation before, it's incredibly fair. It's incredibly fair. You know why? Three reasons. All are invited, all are welcomed, and all come the same way. All are invited, all are welcomed, and all come the same way. You see, God shares his grace with all his people, not just his common grace. He offers his redeeming grace, which brings us to the last thought. Because of all these three that you see on the screen, God then supplies his gift for all people. God's ultimate gift is the very thing we celebrate today. It's Jesus. It's his son. It's our Savior. It's, as Blair saying, the Messiah. I don't want you to misunderstand when I use the word gift. 
Because in the Bible it's taught there's a, there's a teaching about spiritual gifts. It is true that after you're saved, that the Holy Spirit imparts on us gifts. There's lists several places in the Bible. And it's our responsibility to discover those gifts, to develop those gifts, so that we can deploy those gifts. Now, I'm, this is not in the message. This is for free. I'm not charging you for this. If you're doing something in the church and it frustrates you no end, you may be not using your gift. You may be using outside of your gift. For instance, everybody wants to be the boss. Some people are not gifted to do administration. That's a spiritual gift. And if you're, if you're an administrator, if you're trying to administrate something and you really have the gift of service, and service is you see something to do, you just pick up the shovel and do it. And you're over here trying to run it, and now you're frustrated. You see, the gift of administration has the ability to look into a problem and see an opportunity. The gift of exhortation has the ability to look into an opportunity and see the problem. Hello? You see, it's all a matter about how we look at things. Those are the spiritual gifts, but that is not the gift that we're speaking of here, that God supplies his gift. We're talking about his ultimate gift. Certainly he sends us those spiritual gifts, but the gift that we're talking about is God's promised one. He promised back in in Genesis, God's promised hope. God's promised gift. The one that would change us. We're talking about Jesus. Cole, in those lyrics that he sang, tied the manger to the empty tomb. When Jesus left heaven, there was no doubt about where he was headed and what he would do to bring us to himself. Today we began this service Singing the message, happy birthday, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. All of us love gifts. (laughs) And all of us get gifts we love. Here's what I want to ask you. Who in here, if you had a gift given to you, it was given to you, and it was everything you wanted and needed, Would you open that gift? Or would you just set it aside and look at it from time to time? You see, the gift that Jesus offers you today, it is everything you've ever wanted. And if you could understand and comprehend, it is everything that you will ever need. It's more than you can imagine. It's God's greatest gift. Lyricists write songs. Lyricists paint a picture. For many years, those lyricists have spoken to our hearts. It was almost 40 years ago that John and James Schoenberg, Sherberg, 
wrote these words. And even today, as I remember hearing them sung, as we did that Christmas tree with about a hundred or so on the Christmas tree, my body still gets chills. Hear the words. The winter's chill crept toward the stillness of the evening. The day has passed, and at last the city slept in peace. An evening star watched from afar and shone so brightly as if to say this day would bring a love that would not cease. In days of old it was foretold a time was coming when wondrous things would bring a new and glorious day. When God the Father would now offer life unending to those who came to claim his gift in childlike faith. And here's the payoff. He gave the greatest gift of all when he gave Jesus. He gave the greatest gift of love wrapped in his son. He brought us hope when we had nothing left to hope for. At last, the long-awaited promise, the gift the world was waiting for, had come. On this Christmas morning, as we celebrate his birthday, have you received the gift that God offers you? Have you received Jesus and allowed him to come into your life and cleanse your sins and change your life and give you a new life and a new heart? If not, this would be a good day to do that. Let's pray together.